Good morning. So good to see each and every one of you. I would like to think, I would hope that if I was the only one that I would follow Jesus. But I got to tell you, I'm glad to not be alone. I'm glad to follow Jesus with each and every one of you. It's a joy to come together and celebrate him and to worship him. Uh, There's a lot of celebration happening today. Uh, Nick went ahead and mentioned that we're going to have baptism this this morning, and it's just going to be a great, great time. So in the middle of my sermon, when several people get up, we are talking about Exodus. They're not leaving the sermon. Uh, They're going to go get ready to get baptized, and uh, there's quite a few folks. And so uh, just get excited when you see them get up. Uh, It's going to be a good, good time. Well, today we uh, continue in this incredible story of Exodus. Last week, we looked really quickly at the way God brought them out through the ten plagues. And they had been in slavery in Egypt, been beat down and caused to serve long days from morning till dark for hundreds of years. Uh, For the people of Israel that lived in Egypt, it's all they ever knew. At this point, they had been born into slavery. And now God has brought them out, and today we want to look at the crossing of the Red Sea. So families headed home from church, and mom and dad are in the front seat, and little Johnny's in the back seat, and mom turns around and said, hey, honey, what'd you learn at school? What'd you learn at uh, church today? And and, uh, little boy said, man, we learned about the crossing of the Red Sea. And mom said, that is so cool. It's one of my... uh, Fantastic story, one of my favorite stories. Could you, could you tell me about it? What did you learn about it today? And uh, the kids said, well, um, the Israelites, Israelites had just left Egypt. They have been slaves there for hundreds of years. And when they got to the Red Sea, they got stuck. I mean, they were stuck. So they got their engineers together, and they built a floating bridge across the Red Sea. And then Pharaoh, that's the leader of Egypt that like pushed them down, He decided to pursue them. I mean, they brought their humbees and they brought their tanks and everything. And there they were, and they crossed the Red Sea on that floating bridge. And as soon as the last Israelite person was across the Red Sea on that floating bridge, they got off that floating bridge, they called in the Israeli Air Force. And they came in, and Pharaoh and his army were on that floating bridge, and they blew them to smithereens. It was an incredible story, Mom. Mom turns around and said, son, I don't know if that's the way that story went. And the little boy said, it wasn't, but you wouldn't believe me if I told you what really happened. (laughs) Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. We're going to begin reading in verse number 17. Exodus chapter 13, beginning in verse 17. When Pharaoh finally, and if you've been tracking in this story, that word finally carries a lot of weight with it because you knew it was days and months and ultimately hundreds of years before they finally were let go. But even in the midst of the plagues, it was a long process of waiting. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them uh, along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest Route to the promised land. Now, God had promised them this land, and he said, we're going to get you there. And I don't know about you, but when I drive, I like to make time. Anybody else? 
I like to make time. Uh, Nick's in the house. He doesn't mind you can making U-turns. U-turns drive me nuts, man. I like. I don't want to miss it. You know what I'm saying? I want to hit it the first time, and I want to get there as soon as I can. And then it says God did not lead them along the shortest route. Goes on to say God said, if the people are faced with the battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness. Toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. It wouldn't take an expert navigator to say they went the wrong way. You're just not going the smartest way. You're not going the shortest way. And if you are following Jesus, if right now in your life you're finding yourself at a place where I trust Jesus, I'm trying to do what he says, and you find yourself in the wilderness It may not be that you are lost, and it may not be that you are going the wrong direction. It may just mean you need to keep trusting God because he's got a really, really good plan for you. Look now, verse number 21. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. He provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar or cloud, pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. And so God said, I want you to know that I'm here with you. That whether we're going to the Red Sea or we're out in the middle of the wilderness, wherever we go, I want you to know that my presence is with you. And so he guided them with a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, and his presence was with them. And I want you to know that today, even though we don't have a pillar of cloud and we don't have a pillar of fire to show us the presence of God, if you're a believer, the presence of God is with you. He lives inside of you. He is the Holy Spirit. And he is there to guide you and to direct you every single step of the way. He is with you. Look now to chapter 14, beginning of verse number 1. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pi-ha-harath, between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal-zephon. Then Pharaoh will think. The Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. Anybody scratching your head right now about this plan? Anybody just a little bit? I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. You remember that all the plagues were for the purpose of letting all of Egypt know that God is the Lord. And then it says, so the Israelites, this is big, so the Israelites camped there as they were what? As they were what? As they were? So when God tells you to do something, what should you do? You should do it. And this is one of those moments where the Israelite people, they listened and they obeyed. When God tells you to do something, obey him. And by the way, you should listen to him and you should obey him whether it makes sense or not. And in my years of following God, I have found that most of the time it doesn't make any sense at all. 
I pray that encourages you. If you're confused and confounded by what God wants you to do right now, just know that that's not abnormal. God thinks differently than we do, and he, he knows things that we don't know. Look at verse number 5. When the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away. You can imagine this moment. They had hundreds of thousands of people that every day did their bidding, and now they're gone. They're like, we've messed up big time. Verse 6. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with his commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Uh, Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fist raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers, and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore of Pi-ha-harath, across from Baal-savan. If you're the Israelites, this is a rut-row moment. I mean, he has just called in SEAL Team 6 and everybody else. And he said, call them all. We're going to get them. And there you are, one of the Israelite people having been left out, led out of Egypt. And there you are, stuck, stuck. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, that's a good thing. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Crying out to God is a good thing. Chewing out Moses, that's a bad thing. This was their spiritual leader. And they decided to just verbally unleash on this leader whose name was Moses. What do we do when we start freaking out? What do we do when everything just goes crazy? Well, we do a lot of what they did. We begin to question everything and everyone, don't we? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did you do that? What were you thinking? We begin to speak in extremes and exaggerations, just as they did. Last night, we were in our vehicle, and we were riding uh, back from a wedding that we had been that was a family, a part of our family, and we were coming back, and uh, we were trying to make the choice because, you know, like children, they have to suffer through, you know, like video available in the car. And um, so anyway, um, there's four of them, and so we have trouble getting on the same page sometimes. And uh, one movie was kind of decided upon, at least, I don't know if it was by the majority, but it was by the loudest one at the time, and that movie was going in, and another person decided they would get louder, and they, in exaggeration, said, we don't want to watch this movie, we've watched it at least a billion times. I don't know where my kids get this exaggeration stuff from, I don't know. 
But I think a lot like you and a lot like me, when things don't go my way, I begin to question and I begin to throw out all kinds of exaggerated examples. We look for somebody to blame. We lose sight of reality. We start saying things like, my life is over. It couldn't get any worse. If you wouldn't have, then this wouldn't have happened. Notice the last part of what we just read, I believe in verse number 11. Go on to verse number 12. I don't know if it's going to be on the screen or not, but we want to look at verse 12. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we're still in Egypt? We said, they're saying this to Moses, we said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. Look at the exaggerated, missed reality. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. They actually out loud said, we'd rather go back to Egypt and be a slave again than be out here in this free place. And in their minds, they were already dead. Were they dead? No. They were exaggerating everything to the point that the exaggeration of their current circumstance seemed so bad in their minds that they were willing to go back to slavery. They were willing to go back to being beaten every single day, told what to do, working until they could see the bones through their fingers. Better to be back in Egypt? Really? Let me pose this question to you. What do you want to run to when things go sideways? What do you find yourself running to when things go sideways? And I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer to this question. Whatever you just said or think or is reality for you, maybe more clearly, whatever's reality for you, what you run to, listen to me, that's your God. That's your idol. Now, if that's a little bit strong for you, it's a little bit strong for me because sometimes I run to things that can't cure me, can't cleanse me, can't help me, can't bring me out. But whatever you and I run to when things go sideways, it's very, very telling of who we are and where our worship is and where our trust is and where we believe our comfort and relief is going to come from. What do you want to turn to, to run to when things go sideways? It's kind of funny how, if you really paid attention to the story, how over and over and over and over for years and years and years, they said, we want out of Egypt. Can't we get out of Egypt? Get us out of Egypt. God, would you get us out of Egypt? God, would you send us a deliverer? We want out of Egypt. We want out of Egypt. We want out of Egypt. And then what happens? God gets them out of Egypt. You ever got what you asked for? Hmm. What do they want now when things didn't go the way they thought they ought to go? They want to go back to the very thing that they wanted out of in the first place. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to slavery. They wanted to go back to what they thought was safer, better, more comfortable, more predictable. You ever ask God to get you out of something? God, get me out of this situation. 
God, get me out of this house. God, get me out of this job. And then you get laid off. And then what do you say? God, what are you doing? And you were the very one that prayed and said, God, get me out of. Many times, you and I, we're going to come face to face with deliverance. And it's not going to look like we thought it was going to look. A couple things you got to know about change and you got to know about rescue. And these are two things that everyone in this room needs right now in your life. You need to experience change and you need to experience rescue. Some of you may be in a deeper place than others, but every single one of us need to experience the change and the rescue that can only come through God. But here's a couple things you got to know about the change and the rescue and the redemption of God. Rescue is probably not going to look the way you thought it would. Right, I mean, we've got these ideas and these dreams and these visions of the way things are going to go. Kind of like when you stood on that stage and you said, I do, right? You, you had this idea, now you're in reality. And I'm not saying reality is bad, but you're having to deal with reality, not just your mere idea of how you thought everything was going to go. And I guarantee you the way he saw it is not the way she saw it, right? Rescue. It's probably not going to look the way you thought it would. Another thing you got to know about rescue, rescue is not going to come. Listen to me. It's not going to come easy. If you think, well, I'm just going to say, I want the rescue of God, and then Wally Kazam, everything's just going to be perfect. You've missed the story of God throughout Scripture. Can God come in? Can God come through? Can God change the day? Can God rescue you? Can God bring you out of Egypt into freedom? Absolutely but it is going to come with great, great cost to you. It's going to require that you and I are willing to sacrifice, willing to give something up, willing to pray, willing to listen, willing to obey, willing to trust him. Well, I thought that I was going to get freed so I could do whatever I want to do because that's the definition of freedom we have in our heads, even as Americans. Freedom means I get to do whatever I want to do. That is not freedom at all. That's not even American freedom. It's definitely not biblical freedom. Let me tell you what freedom will get you. If freedom to you means I get to do whatever I want to do, let me tell you who you're going to do. You're going to do you. You're going to be selfish. You're going to be greedy. You're going to be lustful. You're going to go out and get what you want that's not freedom. That's called slavery to sin. That's the very thing that God's trying to bring you and I out of. He's trying to bring us into freedom of following and experiencing him and going his way. So for some of you, things are getting a little bit crazy right now since you've chosen to say, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus. I believe that he's got a better way for me. And things haven't gone just exactly the way you thought they would. Maybe for some of you, forget the way you thought it would, like ways you couldn't even have in your worst nightmares imagined. And there you are. Following God in the wilderness. Things don't look the way you thought they were going to look. Let me encourage you. Let me pray for you and say, don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to who you used to be. Don't go back to what you used to turn to. Don't go back to what you used to find comfort in. Don't go back to what you used to worship. You continue to trust him even right now when everything is going sideways. Trust him. Trust him. Look at verse 13, verse 14. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still 
and watch the Lord rescue you today. Stand still? Do you remember last week? God said, hey, I want you to take a lamb and I want you to kill it. And I want you to put the blood on the doorpost and I want you to roast it. And I want you to eat it. But before you eat it, you remember what God said? He said, put your shirt on, put your shoes on and get your stick. What was God saying? We're going to go. And now here they are stuck. And their spiritual leader says, hang on a second. Be still. Which one is it, God? Go or stay? Today it may be go, tomorrow it may be stay. But whatever God chooses to tell you today, whether it's go or stay, you do it because it's the best thing for you. Well, should I go or should I stay? Don't ask me, ask him. And when he tells you, don't try to make sense of it because it probably won't make any sense to you whatsoever. I mean, I don't know about you, but if my family's in that group and the, 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 the armies of Pharaoh are coming, I don't know what I'm going to be able to accomplish, but I'm sharpening something up, right? I, I, I'm pulling something out and I'm, I'm getting ready to go. Me and my donkey, we are going to war, right? And yet God, through his spiritual leader, said, stay. Right now, God's telling some people that are going to get baptized to go. That's what's going on right there. It's cool. They can get up and go. It's awesome. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I don't know if God told them to go right now. We told them to go right now. But God told them to be baptized, so it's going to be good. How many of y'all like, go go for it, Mark. You good, man. (laughs) Did God tell you to dance? What just happened there, Mark? It was... Oh, I love that guy. How many of you like being told to stand still? I mean, you love going to the doctor and just waiting, don't you? Mark's why we love you most, because when we go to see you, we just wait, man. We just wait. We love going to the ER, right? Because the emergency room means sit there and wait forever, right? I mean, that's what it means, right? I mean, my kids love it when I say, just wait. Just hold on. We love it when our boss says, just, just wait, it'll be all right. We love it, right? No, we can't stand it. We can't stand it. When I can't tell my kids to stand still or hold on just a minute, here's what you know as a parent, okay? You know that you know things that they don't know, right? And hopefully as they mature a little bit, they begin to understand, oh, mom or dad, they know this a little bit more than I do. So if they told me to wait, they've got some reason for it. And maybe they don't have time to explain it right now, but I'm going to trust them. I know more than my kids know. Now let me blow your minds. I don't know everything. But God does. And when God tells you to stand still... Even if he doesn't explain himself, you got to know that he knows things that you don't know. You may never know what he knew. What we've got to know is that we've got to trust him. We've got to depend on him. Verse 13 goes on to say, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. What? Verse 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That may be the word some of you needed this morning. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. I don't know how much chaos is going on in your world and your life right now, but maybe God is just saying, just, just, just stay calm. Now, verse 15, look how quick this shifts. I don't know how much time passed. I don't know, but it says, then the Lord said to Moses, 
Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Sometimes you need to stop praying and you need to start moving. These people are going to get baptized here in just a few minutes. They stop praying about getting baptized and they started moving. Why? Because God told them to get baptized. Why? Because it's clear in Scripture. There's a lot of things that some of you are stuck on right now. Should I or shouldn't I? I don't know if I should or shouldn't. What should I do? Give me some wisdom. Give me some help. For a lot of you in the room, if you just open the Word of God, God would be very clear as to what you should or shouldn't do. Now, there's other things that are choices out there that you're in and you're in a dilemma and, and, and you are really struggling because you can't like find it black and white in Scripture. God says go or God says stay. But some of you right now, there are some things that are clear from God in your life. For some of you, you are in sin right now and you need to stop praying as to whether or not you ought to keep sinning or not. And you need to move away from it towards Jesus. For some of you, God's calling you to something. You need to quit praying about it. And you need to start moving. So sometimes God says go. Sometimes God says stand still. Sometimes God says get moving. Verse 16, speaking to Moses, pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. If I'm Moses, I'm like, wait a minute, could you repeat that part? I I don't, what, what did you just say? I mean, if you've read this story before, you're like, oh, this is the coolest part of the story. But imagine being Moses. You've never seen a Red Sea part before. You've never seen anything like this before. And God says, raise your staff. Goes on to verse number 17. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through the Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. So why, why is God doing all of this? Why the plagues to get his people out? Why the Passover to get his people out? Why, hey, go backwards and camp here on the long route so that the people of Egypt can catch up with you and I can part the Red Sea? Why, why is God doing all of this? He tells us why. It's for his glory. It's so when the people of Israel get free, they can't say, hey, look what we did. So why is God doing all this? Let me me just take a moment here and let you know why me and God are good. Okay? And why I get along so well with God and why one of these days I'm going to spend eternity with him. See, a while back, I, I started cleaning my life up. You know, getting rid of the bad stuff, started doing the good stuff. I started going to church. I started giving. I forgave some morons that were in my life. I started reading the Bible and telling other people what it said. I mean, I was doing pretty doggone good at this point. And God noticed me. And he spoke and he said, hey, Kyle. You're a pretty good guy. You want to be friends? I'm like, yeah, sure. We hit it off. Me and him are good. Some of you are like, wait just a minute. That's not the way that went down. You're right. But if I told you what really happened, you probably wouldn't believe me. But I'm going to tell you anyway. 
you're looking at a guy. who has messed up so many times in his life. A guy that has squandered the goodness of God. A guy that has many times chosen sin as my idol, as my comfort, as my pet, as my rescue, as my hope. And God looked at me in all the mess that I was in and he said, you know what? That guy ain't going to make it. He's done for. And so God decided to send his one and only son, literally God becoming flesh, and his name was Jesus. And he lived here among people like you and me. And when I say people like you and me, I'm talking about people that aren't honest, people that don't keep our word, people that say things that are mean, people that say things that aren't true, people that say things that are just, just ugly, People that do things that are harsh and vile. And he lived among people just like you and I. And yet Jesus did it perfectly. And then he decided, since I'm perfect, why don't I go ahead and do something for Kyle that nobody else can do, including him? How about I make a way for him to God that he can't make for himself? And so God, who was perfect, decided to allow people like you and me to put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And he suffered and he bled and he died on a cross. They took him off the cross. They put him in a grave. He stayed there one night. He stayed there two nights. He stayed there three nights. But after the third night, on the next morning, he came back from the dead and he's alive today. I told you, if I told you what happened, you'd never believe me. But that's what happened. And then Jesus said, you know what? What I've just done, my death, my burial, my resurrection, Kyle, it's good enough. It's powerful enough to bring you out of all of your mess and all of your sin so that you can be right with God. That's the rescue. That is the redemption of God for all of mankind. Redemption doesn't make any sense. But it rescues us. And it changes us. And just like the Red Sea, it brings glory to God. Um, If you're saved by grace through faith, it's not of yourselves, lest anyone should what? Boast. There's no boasting in me except for look at what Jesus did. Look at what Jesus did. And so God redeems us and he changes us. And he doesn't stop. Just like he brought the people out through the ten plagues, he wasn't done with them yet. And oh, you need to get this today. God will not stop redeeming you. Some of you right now, you you placed your faith in Christ in the past, wherever it was. And you're a place right now where you have blown it and you have blown it big time. Let me tell you something. God's not done with you. He hasn't written you off. That son whose name was Jesus who died for the sins of all mankind still loves you, is still there to rescue you. For some of you, you feel like you're so far from God. I mean, like you have blown it again and again and again. Faith, you don't even know what that means. You don't care what it means at this point. And you're like, when we talk about God, I get scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know. I'm so far away from him. Let me tell you something. God is still pursuing you. God's not done with your marriage. God's not done with your relationships. God's not done with you. God will not stop redeeming you. Never stop. Look at verse 21. Check out this story. 
Then Moses raised his hand over the sea. The Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel, hundreds of thousands of them, by the way, walked through the middle of the sea on what? Dry ground with walls of water on either side. I don't know about you, but I'm walking across. I don't know if I'd be looking down at the dry ground. I'd be looking to the left and looking to the right, right? Walls of water. Then, verse 23, then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites. Retreat, 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 the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. The waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea. Not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as water stood up like a wall on both sides. That... Is how the Lord rescued Israel from the land of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God will not stop redeeming. cross of Christ, the death of Christ, the blood of Christ that flowed from that horrific experience. It flowed to wash away the sin and the idols in my life and in your life. It flowed to crush them, to destroy them, to defeat them. Everything that is against you, death Hell, the grave, and sin, the gospel of Jesus Christ is there to help you overcome it, to bring about redemption for you that you cannot bring about for yourself, and he's not going to stop redeeming you. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 4 declares this, and I'm certain that God, who began a work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And that's a really good verse, but that's not the one I just read. And you're distracted, so I'm going to read it again. Just take that one off and y'all listen really close. I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. 
God's been redeeming you. He's not going to stop redeeming you. He's been pursuing you. He's not going to stop pursuing you. He loves you. He's not going to stop loving you. He's forgiven you. He's not going to stop forgiving you. He is for you. It is for his glory and it is for your good that he pursues you and then he gives us Jesus. And maybe for you today, you just need to believe that God will not stop redeeming you. For some of you, that means, all right, I, need to, I just need to obey God today and I need to stay. I'm out here. It doesn't make any sense. But you said stay, so I'm going to say. For some of you, that means God says for me to go right now. God, it doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to go. I'm, I'm just going to go. I believe that you're in the process of redeeming me right now. For some of you, you don't know where to turn. You don't know what's going on. You're in chaos and confusion. And you need to believe that God wants to reach down right now where you are and bring you up and bring you out. God will not stop redeeming you. And this great God that we speak of, did not just exist and show forth his presence and be real with people a couple thousand years ago. He's just as real and present here today. And if there's any believers in this room that have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them because of the goodness of God, say amen. amen. He is here. He is here. And he wants to redeem you today. He wants that, and that's our prayer for you, and that's our hope for you. In just a moment, we're going to sing. We're going to stand. And for some of you, God says, go. God says, come. God says, come to Jesus. Myself and other pastors will be here, and we can pray with you. We can help you in what we can. Maybe you seem to have your time with God. You have that with God. The redemption of God is available today. He will not stop redeeming you. Let's pray.